was a very interesting because talking about brand, putting brand into, you know, uh, putting love into your brand, it was something that I never really thought, thought about what I did and how I did my branding. And then it was, yeah, through that, yes, uh, Tuesday, you know, where we did the sharing, then I realized, oh, that was, it forces me to think about it. And then I realized, yeah, that was what I did. Is, is the whole idea of branding and funeral seems a tough thing to pull, right? You know, it's not like you are F&B or retail or outfit, you know, uh, ah. lifestyle product. Yours is funeral service. How does that go in line with branding? I'm quite interested yeah, to yeah, sit yeah. down for that, that talk that you had. Yeah, in fact, I think because, you know, my method has always been very humorous. I always use humor. Uh, so, like, even when you say F&B, uh, how do you brand F&B? I'm actually in F&B. I'm in funeral and bereavement. Right, I mean, death has always been a certainty. That's what I like about Anjali. It has to be a celebration. Endless topics that we can talk about. Dying to meet you. Welcome to my podcast. So, if you think about branding, um, actually, yeah, it really struck me how I branded. And I, I shared three points that I did. Uh, the first point was I wanted to create a unique brand, a unique brand name. So, you know, looking at all the companies that was available. So you're talking about 2010, right? In 2010, when I started my company, um, TLC didn't just come like that. Yeah, the live celebrant. It was, you know, through what everyone had. They had like Cascade. They had Funeral in the brand name. They had um, maybe the name of the owner, just like my dad. You know, his name was Angusing Funeral Parlor. So, so I think it's dangerous when you have your name because then... Uh, if the person passes away or when the person passes away then everybody will start to spread rumours like my dad, right? That, oh, Ang Yusing is dead so his business is gone. So yeah, so I was very sure I didn't want to have Anjoli funeral home. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and I said, well, maybe it's not so bad an idea. It could be Angelina Jolie's uh, funeral home, whatever it is. Uh, so I didn't want that and then I remember telling myself um, I want something that's different. And you know the slogan I always use, which is uh, funeral is not a day in a lifetime, but a lifetime in a day. So I wanted something to do with life. So then the first word that came up was life. And I was very inspired when I went to New Zealand, uh, when I was working at a funeral home for 10 days and I attended a funeral and it was officiated by a funeral celebrant. So that funeral celebrant uh, was, you know, sharing the life story of the departed uh, through that one hour. And I remember telling myself, wow, I really like it because you walk in not knowing anything about this person and you walk out knowing her entire life story. So that's why the word life celebrant came about. And I thought, oh, the life celebrant. So I'm the only one, like, the life celebrant. And coincidentally, it goes with TLC. So Tender Loving Care. Yeah. And, and I thought it was uh, interesting when people called. There was once I picked up a call um, the family was like, hey, are you TLC Tender Loving Care uh, Funeral Home? And I said, okay, yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, I'll take whatever it is. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> then after that, we explained, oh, actually, it's TLC for the life celebrant. But glad that you associate with Tender Loving Care, right? Uh, That's like a yeah. coincidental branding, right? You know, the life celebrant, Tender Loving Care. All this yeah. what? Coincidental or by, or by design? Uh, actually, to be honest, it's good that you asked. Uh, in fact, I first started with L. Uh, life celebrant, LC, and then I 
you know, people start to say ALC, LC, and you know, the word in Cantonese is not Low nice, class, right? is it? Yeah, yeah, LC, <laughs> I think there's a Cantonese word that's not nice, and then L, like low class. And I was like, no, I, so I actually struggled. And I was like, so I actually, interestingly, the the came to me in my sleep when I was sleeping. And the next day I had this aha moment. And this idea of the life celebrant came into into my brain while I'm sleeping. My subconscious was like, okay, you can put a the, and then you have TLC. And I remember when I did that, um, that was before everybody have used the, you know. Now you see everybody is using the, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, but I didn't have that. I was, uh, yeah, so I was. Where was the place that you get that the most now, inspiration from? Like. Where, like you said, sleeping is that where you get the best inspiration, or are there other areas like you're jogging, oh, or Lord forbid, uh, you're in a toilet and you're taking a dump, and that's when oh inspiration comes in. Interesting, I actually thought of certain things, uh, just that day when I was in the showers, <laughs> yeah, when I'm most naked, uh, <laughs> no, but it's true, I do get quite a lot of inspiration from sleeping, uh, in my sleep. Um, I will usually before I sleep. I have something that's very challenging or something I need to resolve. Uh, yeah, just before I sleep, I say, oh, maybe give me the answer for this. And uh, many a times I get it in my sleep. Yeah, or, or I would just say it, you know, like, oh, I need the answer. And I'll just make my subconscious go working. And that's true, <laughs> isn't it? Like, if you think, if you saw those mindset books and uh, subconsciousness, where you plan the questions in your mind and then you, when you go to sleep, yeah. your subconscious take over and give you the answer that you already know in your heart. Yeah, so I love it. I love to use uh, as much as I can my subconscious. Mm. So sometimes a lot of people, like I see people on the street and they're like, hey, Angelie. So like the other day I saw uh, somebody who attended my talk and she was very surprised to see me. And and she recognized me. She's like, oh, Angelie. And then she started and oh my God, I, I was looking at her like I had a blank face and I was like, come on, subconscious, give me hyperdrive. Like, where did I meet her? How did I meet her? You know? So, wow, I couldn't get it out. And then she said something. And as she was saying, my subconscious presented me this image of where I met her. And I was like, oh, yeah, you have two kids, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, you still remember? I was like, oh, my God, thank God. It came out in time, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I heavily depend on my subconscious to do some of the work for me. <laughs> I, I always have that blank moment uh, when I stare at someone in the face. And I know the face from somewhere. I just can't remember uh, the name. Cannot remember the details, and then they will always know things about you. And I'll always yeah. try to ask questions like, "Oh, so have you met our common friend?" And hopefully, he drops some more names, and we'll figure it out. Some names, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see this true. level of awareness that you have uh, with the subconscious, mm. right? I mean, since on on topic of branding and everything, yeah. how much? And also because I know a bit of your the uh, business and how we talk mm. about how did TLC ever get to where it is today? And most of it is. You you said nipping country. You use instincts. Hmm, a lot. Actually, I did a lot. In fact, I think there were three things that I really wanted to do when I started branding TLC. Uh, back then, you know, TLC was like, who wants to celebrate, right? Celebrate, and then when they see my company name, they're like, "You're somehow tingzu." Yeah, it's about death. I doesn't know. It's about the person's life, right? Um, but I I think one of the big change I did was really to hire women. Right, that was something that I wanted to break barriers. Uh, I, I probably didn't share this with you, but you know, when I first started in the industry, when my dad passed away, uh, female was not welcome. We were not appreciated in a way 
uh, and I had like my staff, my dad's staff who works with him for, you know, 30, 30 years, who are much older than me. And they always tell me and remind me that they have consumed more salt than I have consumed rice. But I also had two incidents where uh, through this speaking engagement that actually came up from my memory. And that was when I first joined. I was like into the business for maybe a few months. And we met a Biri family to make arrangement. So this uncle, actually he looked at me. So there are two incidents. One was um, the, the uncle looked at me. And then he like spoke in Hokkien and he said, And I think he is not about, he's saying, do you know what you're doing? You're so young. But there was this part where I could sense that he's just saying that because I'm a female. And then a next client actually came to me and he actually requested, do you have a male a colleague who can help him? So, so that was something that came out in my memory that, wow, I maybe have buried it many years already since it's already over. Uh, yeah, but that was why I really thought, hey, why can't women do the job? Why can't women be funeral directors? Why must it always be men? And, you know, back in those days, in the 20, 20 almost 20 years ago, right, that it was, yeah, it's very rare to see female in the industry. But now, I mean, my team, you've seen my team, we have about 70 to 80% uh, ladies. I have more ladies than men. And people always ask me, how come you keep hiring ladies? And I just smile to them. <laughs> as, as a consumer, I would say I would prefer a, a female funeral director. Again, oh. mm. I guess... Not because you know me. La. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because I know you, so definitely it's a, it's a, it's a granted, guaranteed. You already know what I want, my chicken rice and all that. But I have the perception that a female funeral director is more caring and the male. Generally speaking, across board, female are more caring, they're more detail-oriented. And if I want to yeah. put my funeral in the hands of someone I think would not be missing out all the final details, I would go for women. Like, hands down. So, when yeah. you say that in the past, people actually go for men, I, I'm beginning to, to, to ask this question, like, where did that perception switch? Yeah, I guess um, back then, you know, even like, there are, there are people who are like, hey, are you on that, are you at your time of the month? And I'm like, what? Why? I said, oh, you're not supposed to touch a casket. I was like, really? Who said that? You know, so that that's just, I don't know who created all these rules. Or, and I said, no, I'm just going to break it. And, and I remember when we started to carry the casket or like we went in to see how the disease looked like. Yeah, I, I think it's that uh, earning the trust, you know, even from my dad's stuff. Uh, they, they actually changed. I felt the change in the perception about me when, I was in the embalming room. Uh, we had we had hired an uh, Australian embalmer. And then they were looking for me everywhere. And they couldn't find me. And then the next thing they found me was I was in the embalming room with the embalmer. And they, it was the first time they saw me in the room. And, you know, I have my apparatus in my hand. I was helping the embalmer. And I think that's when they realized, hey, yeah, she, she's, she know what she's doing. And I think to gain trust is really by doing. It's never by saying, right? I, I mean, guys, like, you tell them, hey, I can, I can. They're like, no lah, no lah, don't do it, don't do it. No, so I was like, okay, I'm going to show you how I can do it, right? And then I'll just do it. So after that, a lot more confidence. And I think introducing um, ladies, right? Even for the ladies in my team, I make it a must that they must wear dresses, for funeral day as a pallbearer 
And of course, people are like, why do you want to wear dress? Even that concept of wearing dress at the funeral is taboo. I said, why? Who set that rule? Like, nobody set that rule. What's the taboo for not wearing dress? I don't get it. I don't know. Maybe because they think that, oh, the girls need to squat, they need to bend down. Yeah, but if you look at SQ girls, I mean, like, airline girls, they are all wearing dresses. They are able to put the luggage up. They are able to help. They are able to bend down and pick up stuff. So what's the difference between... Had them and us. Right? So I I speak for myself that uh, as a deceased, uh, if when, when I'm deceased, not as a deceased, my God, <laughs> when, if I'm in the casket, yeah. and if I would have a preference for the kind of girls yeah. I would like to have at the event, would be women in dresses, and I think uh-huh. in Taiwan also you have like skimpy, skim, skimpy clad women dancing at funeral parlors, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like a. The more, um, so this is like in Taiwan, it's more like, yeah, face value, right? Like, oh, you're very rich, you get this for your dad's funeral. Uh, yeah, I mean, I even spoke to a guy and he's like, hey, can you have girls in bikini and carry my casket? <laughs> I'm sure you want it, I'm sure you want it. Is that an option? Is that, is that part of the package? <laughs> advanced, yeah, yeah, yeah. Per- advanced purchases. Yeah, because, you know, frankly, it, it is your farewell. It is your graduation. And if you have, told us this is what you want then why not why why do we want to have people who's wearing black maybe you say hey please i had this family before and he said uh none of you should wear black and he specifically tells us none of you should wear black all of you should be in colors okay i don't want any black because i want to celebrate my wife's life so yeah we have to wear colors and it's the first time i wore colors i like this i like this whole idea and i I think that's where TLC and your particular brand really mm. becomes different from the rest of the funeral. Uh, mm. I mean, I would say the competitor, so to speak, because you seem to have built a brand around debunking or going uh, outside, drawing outside the lines of what is traditional. Mm. And because when you talk about outfit, now straight away. If I could have a choice of bikini girls carrying my my casket, I don't think I want that lah. Because if the wife is around, it's quite tough. Or anyone for that matter, uh, it's just going to be seen at least in bad taste. But what I would love is people to dress up in costumes because I love medieval. Exactly. So you can yeah. have like the warriors and they're all dressed like with the the, the, the helm and swords and carrying yeah. my, my my casket like as if I'm a a king, you know, going into you can, the. You- I think one of the uh, one of the funerals that I really want to uh, organize one day is when the funeral, I mean the departed, has wished for everybody to dress in superhero outfit. See, right, right there. And then you have people who are like Catwoman, Batman, or whatever it is. And then who is gonna? Who are the four barriers? And then you can have the Marvel. You can have Marvel whatever it is. Like well, Iron Man, and man I've been in, in production with you many times where we ask people questions about how they want their funeral to be. And we're down yeah. to two seasons and we're going to season three now about, yes. uh, you know, when we interview people and we always ask them, how do you imagine your funeral is like? I found after two seasons of recording that, a small flaw in people's vision. Mm. All this idea about dressing up in Catwoman and superhero outfit and... It seems to me that we think we're not going to die at 80, 90 and all our friends are going to be young. <laughs> I cannot imagine my 90-year-old peers dressed in Catwoman or Superman in a wheelchair coming to see me at a funeral. Did, did you not see this? Uh, there's this thing that I always share because 
uh, this superhero concept actually I, I got inspired when a guy he was he was he knows his aspiration date uh, you know roughly when he's gonna go so he actually prepared his invitation to his funeral so he prepared everything everybody you're you're invited to my funeral but please wear superhero so then there was a picture of uh, uh, what is Captain America so Captain America had like you know he, he looked really beefed up but it's also because you know those costumes where you have a bit of a padding so make sure you get those okay because uh sup superman came but the superman outfit was just a cloth so and then the guy has a big belly so you had like you have a superman who's like with a big belly you know so he did come in a superhero outfit but he didn't look like the part but captain america looks hot because of the paddings you know <laughs> So when you choose your costume, this is the key, okay? Yeah. So you just one. come with four, you know, the end game four with a belly. Exactly. <laughs> just come with oh yes, one. yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that would be perfect. Right? That would be perfect for for anyone who has a belly. Come at four and then say that oh, I'm actually at this part of Paul's life, you know. <laughs> Well, are, are you the only one that um mm -hmm. is doing bespoke concierge uh, funeral services? I mean, I've seen people who actually had like. Uh, Star Wars. There was a funeral that made into the into it went viral in a way, where people dressed in Star Wars and like the stormtrooper. But it's because the guy is part of the club, right? So it's organized by them. Um, I think there are. I'm sure there are funeral companies who's trying to do that. But uh, at this moment, I feel I would like to think that we are the only one, <laughs> or at least the only one who can do to that level or extreme. Or like, if you have any wishes you want, you know, I would, I would do my very best to, yeah, make your wishes come true, yeah, to fulfill that, that wish. Right? I, I, I kind of like that. I, I, I like, I like the whole branding idea in that direction a lot. So when I look at you and I look at TLC, I don't just see a funeral company. Yeah. I, I see more of an events company. You, you know, funeral company oh. has a very negative connotation even in my modern mind. Oh, funeral. Exactly. Yeah. Just like okay, I want to have a farewell party. I'm going to have this event company deal with that, right? Yeah. So I, I think TLC yeah. is a funeral events company in my mind. That's why we're called the the life celebrant. I had like years. I mean, in the twenty when I first started my company, people uh, took my card, and I remember I only had my name card was really simple. My name card was my name Angeline May, and then if you flip to the back, it was just the life celebrant. And and that's it. I I didn't say oh we are in funeral. We were in rich business, and I thought that was quite quite a good opener la, where people ask like oh so what do you do, and I asked them to guess, and a lot of time they guess that I was in the wedding. I'm in a wedding planner. Yeah, I so then I said yeah one of the events, the biggest event in your life, <laughs> but you you you're there but you're not there to attend. <laughs> I consider wedding and funeral two of the most important uh, milestones of someone's life. Birth, la, birth. birth. Uh, marriage, because marriage is that transition where you are forming a union to create the next generation. And funeral. Yep, yep. Three milestones yeah. in life. Yeah, yeah but you know, uh, so I was sharing during the session that a lot of people, uh, I've met ladies who tells me that they have really done their dream wedding. They thought about a dream wedding and they they gotta have it at this place. They gotta have what flowers, what dress she wants. And then I asked like, oh, so have you found your dream man? He's like, oh, still searching. And so you know, so it's not a guarantee. I mean, like wedding is not a guarantee, but 
Yeah, death definitely will come. Everyone, death rate is still 100%. Every one of us will go. But we never talk about what is the farewell we want. So, I mean, it's true, right? We need to communicate. We need to tell them death is not so scary. No, like, no I, think, know, I think that that mindset has shifted a lot. Like, yeah. um, These two years, definitely. Yeah, you're right. Because previously, mm-hmm. in the, even in the, in, the, in the last, in, in this decade, and you talk about death, the pantang level is still there. But now, I think more and more people are open to the idea that they want to be in charge of their own planning for their funeral. And a lot of young people are looking at the, I always call it the tok tok cheng on there. There must be something more to life. And a lot of it has got to do with Hollywood movies because they, they glorify funeral, they glorify that farewell. It's no yeah. longer as taboo as it was before. So I think you're on the right track with regards to uh, the next the next evolution of people moving One. into design desiring their own funeral would be yeah. there. And you are ahead of that curve for sure. Yeah, I mean I hope to be able to do more um, interesting funeral, of course. Like when I say interesting, yeah, is that you know, something that people would want, but they don't dare to express to any funeral directors. And then they come to me and it's like, okay, I would like to do this. I say, okay, that to me is very challenging. But then I want to see, oh, is there any resources? How can I work with people to make that happen? But, you know, um, I thought that there was something that I really would like to ask, and maybe for yourself, like, uh, there, are, there are people who ask me how to deal with grief. Um, and and the reason why I talk about this, to, uh, I, I would like to ask this or so, is that uh, just a few days ago, I was listening to Jay Shetty together with John Legend, and they had a podcast, and I was just listening to uh, what John was sharing about him losing his mom at, at some point. Uh, when he said losing, he didn't mean that losing her um, per- permanently, you know, to death. So what happened was John's uh, grandmother passed, and when John's grandmother passed, it really affected John's mother so much that she was not present for the children. And, and because of that, I think what happened was the father actually decided, the father and the mother decided to divorce. So and for her to recover and all that, and it took a, a, you know, some time. So he actually shared that being a, a child, you expect your parents to be the one taking care of you because you need to manage the grief. But... In this aspect, uh, the parents now becomes the child and the children are supposed to take care of the parent when they lose their own parent. So it really brought me back because when I met a family uh, over dinner last Monday and they were asking me how to manage because the mother has just lost her life partner and as much as the two daughters are grieving, Mom is going through a hard time and not just going through a hard time. She's making things difficult for the two children, the two daughters. Yeah, because I think she's, you know, then I, I, I sort of recalled my mom when she lost my dad. And you would think that we as children, we need her help. But actually, a lot of times, children, we are supporting our parents uh, when they lose their life partner. I mean, we, I, I'm, I'm blessed to have 24 years with my dad. Um, but my mom has gone through even longer with my dad. So for her to lose her life partner, she needed time to grieve. And I recall that when we had to move, move house because of me, uh, long story, but anyway, we had to move house because of me. And she was just almost every day she would 
be angry that we have to move because I think in her mind, I have taken a part of my dad away from her by moving house. But yeah, so then when this family shared with me, I met the two daughters. So the daughters were like, oh, you know, we are trying to settle mom in. We're trying to get her to come to my house. We want her to stay um, with us. And mommy is now sleeping on the couch because they don't have extra room. So of course, the daughter thought the best way was to get a bigger house, rent a bigger house. But then when they presented this idea to mom, she was not receptive. She was like, no, 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 let's renovate the old house. Let's get everybody in the house. You know, so so then she said that she is having conflict with her mom at this point. So yeah, then it brought me back to this, like, wow, I remember those days. And she asked me, like, how do you work with your mom? And I said, I actually was very patient. And yeah, it hurts when my mom shot at me for moving house, but I know she's grieving and that's her way of outlet love. So I said, you probably need to be a bit more patient. Yeah, it hurts, but you figure out your way to let it go. But, you know, um, yeah, and, and I think this is a big topic when parents now becomes your child, right? <laughs> then you have to deal with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, as you're talking, I'm putting myself in the shoes and trying to be that child to my parents and having to be the one to comfort them. And I'll be very honest with you, like, I dislike funerals i dislike talking about funeral no sorry i dislike death dislike talking about mm. death and when people die and people will die it always makes me very uncomfortable to know mm. what to say and most times it feels very helpless right and through discussions with you i know that there's nothing more to say other than my condolences and if you need to talk to someone i'm here but the part of my brain where you know as a man must solve problems you are sad therefore i must try <laughs> to make you happy it's always in conflict with me because i am in the in in that word, you are helpless. You are nobody to that person. The person's yeah. close one passed away, and what can you really say? You know. And I remember there's one time this year, uh, sometime this six years ago in March. So this video is being recorded in March. Actually, so today yeah. is the first of March, second of March, and <clears throat> a very close friend of mine, very very close friend of mine, passed away in March six years ago. Oh wow! Um, and he, why I think he was close friend is I was going through a, a period of a very low period of my life and he met up with me and spent time and talked to me and he says, yeah, look at me, I'm I'm dying. <laughs> What's the worst oh, that can happen? Sad. Yeah. Okay. And I, whoa, 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 I'm not ready to hear about death yet, right? Uh, and yeah. then eventually he 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 was dying, lah, right? Because stage, stage four cancer, what else can you do is really just make your the remaining of your life as best as you can. And I remember, again, mm. this is because I before I had this discussion with you, I know what to say. I started yes. crack, cracking jokes about life, and I started giving motivational talk about life, and he got really yeah. offended. And when oh he got God. offended, he 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 snapped at me, and he's not a person I I see who snaps at anyone. So that took me by surprise, and I got offended that he got offended because here I am trying to do my best for you to cheer you up. How dare you get angry at me? See, very self-centered point of view. But again, this was out of the best intention. And it, in many years after that, I always recall that moment where we he snapped at me and I snapped at him back. Mm. You know? And sometimes all it takes is just for you to shut the hell up. <laughs> just well, be so there. He, yeah. So he, he was not uh, in the same space of, you know, that and do you do you see interesting that you mm. use you crack jokes 
do you feel that um because I know people who when they are uncomfortable they actually crack jokes or they laugh at a very uncomfortable topic. Yeah, like, so I'm that, your... I'm that kind of guy. Like in in a very st- stressful, tense topic, I'll I'll. I'll I will be the one with the one, the wisecrack one-liners and all that, and also because when I was going in our down period, he seems very, I I can handle death. Now death comes to me, I'm ready. <clears throat> so when, I guess no matter how strong you are, when you are dying, you will crack under pressure. Maybe internally, you're no longer going to be so blasé about it. Like come get me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think we always. Uh go into a, 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 what do you call that, the ups and downs, a denial, acceptance, denial. I mean, you go through that. And and I thought it was very interesting when you shared that your friend say that um, he's dying. I want to share this really quickly because this happened just two months ago and I, I was dying to share this with you and I and get it out of my chest, right? Uh, so on New Year Eve, uh, New Year Eve, I received a call from a friend who's a salsa friend, not exactly very close to her, but I know she's a salsa girl. Uh, we see each other at salsa club. And she called me using Facebook Messenger. And and immediately when she called, I knew something must have happened because we never call each other, never text. And I picked up the call, and the first thing she said to me was, my husband is dying. What should I do? And I was caught in that moment where... Most of the time when people call, they, yeah, they are loved one past, but this is when he's dying, you know, and then what is, what's the right thing to say? What should I say? So that really caught me, and and that also made me realize I want to understand more. Uh, I want to take up some causes to, yeah, understand what's the best way to express or, or to even comfort them, right? And and asking a funeral director for comfort, wow, I was, I was, taken aback because when she asked me, you must face this every day. What do you do? What should you do? What should I do? Yeah, I, I was, I was, it was hard for me. Man. It really got me, I think I told you that, wow, it got me quite bad for, for a few days. Yeah. Hey, but having, having done funeral day in, day out for how many years, are you at least not blasé or numb to death and funeral? No, I still get very emotional um at times yeah i still yeah you know you you met martin we are actually this is something that i would like to talk about right martin um if any of you know he's one of the podcasts i we share uh where he talks about his um he's going to be his aspiration date he know he has one year to leave and he was very determined that he wanted to live past that one year. He wanted to make it, which he did actually. I have to say that he was really strong, and, and but he wanted to make all the arrangements, right? So, so my experience in January was such that um, here I have a friend who is dealing with the husband's, uh, you know, imminent passing, and he's only thirty-six, and then you have Martin who's forty-six. And they passed away within a, mu- a week. Yeah, right? So first I took care of my friend's husband, then I took care of Martin. And both of them actually left behind uh, their, their, their wife. And for the 36-year-old who didn't plan anything, the wife was just distraught in a different space altogether. And she was just not able to even have a proper conversation 
even when I'm asking just certain questions like what music does he like, she couldn't stop whirling. She was just hysterical. Um, and then when I look at Martin's wife, and I remember telling Martin wife, uh, Martin's wife and the brother that, look, your brother has given me all the instructions. And he's like, okay. So the brother who is my age, you know, he, uh, and I know him for many years, and the brother said to me that I, I can't imagine my brother actually did that. Martin actually did this for the family because uh, he didn't, he, every time when the brother asked Martin, well, what do you want for your funeral? And instead of going through that six pages that he had sent to me, he actually told the brother, you don't worry, just call Angelie, she will handle everything. And when I was at the funeral and I was sitting there just observing, everybody was very calm. They were very accepting. They knew his day was coming. and But they had this sense of uh, comfort knowing that this was what he wants and the confidence. And you could tell, you know, when the Atik and the auntie uncles came to me and say, oh, you know, I want to do what he did, uh, just planning ahead. It really, really helps the family. So in that two weeks, I was able to see the contrast and one did out of love, right? He really loved his wife so much. Martin just didn't want his wife to be burdened with any decision-making. Yeah, so I mean, as much as it is difficult, yeah, there are times where patients go through up and down and accepting dying. It's not easy. Mm. Wow. <clears throat> well, I think this, this is a good lunch for the new season, the discussion about... <laughs> we have a lot of great guests coming up next. Uh, a lot of the podcasts that... I need to edit yes. and put out. Ah, very powerful one. I think season three is very different from the rest of the other seasons. Yeah, I have to say that. I think the season three, I mean, we have uh, interviewed people who have gone through death, what they went through, what's the grief. Mm. And, and I think dying to meet you, people were asking me about my podcast that day. He said, oh, your podcast, is it always all about dying? I said, no, no, no. <laughs> I said, it's not. It's like not about people who are dying and then I interview them. It's really about how people perceive life and, you know, what would they see, think about their farewell. So I have a few people, uh, other speakers and other life coaches line up and, and I really hope that maybe season four, we could also uh, discuss about it. And I think in season three, I, I believe we're going to put this in season three where we have uh, a guest with us who has been held hostage for six years. Right, I mean, there's so many interesting content um, from all these guests and I'm so grateful that they agreed to do the podcast with me and share so openly with the topic about death. And I think, you know, we should end off with the talking about death doesn't kill you. <laughs> all right, see you guys soon. Okay. Have a great Bye. Day. Bye. Death has always been a certainty. That's what I like about Anjali. It has to be a certainty. Endless topics that we can talk about. Whatever you leave behind, that's the impact.